0: He played Caracan, his rating was higher, but from move 17, the king's side was mine. Took my chances fast, my rook was now.
1: Thanks to everyone who supports the podcast with your shares and reviews in Apple Live. If you want to get more involved in all we do at US Chess to empower girls and women through chess, please consider a tax-deductible donation of any size to our US Chess Women program and reach out to me with any questions. He has more everyone, and welcome back to a Ladies Night. Today, we have a very special guest, Carissa Yip. She is a 16-year-old international master and a professional record breaker already. I won't list them all because we'll be here all night, but she was the youngest female player ever to defeat a grandmaster at the age of 10, the youngest American female in history to become an international master, and that was very recent. Yip is also precocious when it comes to content and creativity. She's written articles for CLO. She's a regular on chesskid.com. And now she's a popular streamer at twitch.tv, Carissa Yip. She's also recently started a wonderful initiative called Chess for COVID-19 and is donating money from various streams and tournaments that she puts together to raise money for direct relief. Carissa, thank you so much for joining me.
0: Thanks for having me here, Jen. Yeah. You want to...
1: Tell us a little bit about the event that you had recently with your Chess for COVID-19 initiative.
0: Yes. Yeah, so um, it was an event that my friend Jennifer Yu and I, she's like the reigning US Women Champion. So I'm sure you guys all know about her. And uh, we organized it together. Yeah. So it was like a charity event and it was totally open to everyone and there's no entry fee. but. Like participants were like sort of encouraged to donate and stuff. So the idea was just to like spread awareness and stuff to donate while also like having fun playing chess.
1: And you had some of the best players in the country participating, including uh, Jeffrey Young, Ray Robson. So it was an incredibly competitive event.
0: Yeah, yeah, it was. And like surprisingly, actually, none of them, uh, they didn't win, but uh, like Josh Friedel, who is also like a really good player. Like in the middle of the tournament, we were all watching uh, Ray and Jeffrey and Josh just like shot up in the standings.
1: Oh, yeah. I was there at the very end when Josh won. And I, I, he's a friend of mine, Grandmaster Josh Ferdell. So I, I told him that everybody expected him to win from the start. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, he didn't buy it. He called that bluff. <laughs> but what, what, what inspired you to start this initiative?
0: I mean, obviously, like this global pandemic is awful. And I feel like something should be done about it. And so... I saw that there was, like, a lot of uh, charity streaming stuff going on, like, charity tournaments, too. And they, like, raised, like, a fair amount of money, like, a few thousand. So I thought maybe if, like, I did something similar along with Jennifer and, uh, like, maybe we could get a little bit more sort of uh, coverage because we could get, like, US Chess Driveout, Chess.com, and more people would know about it and, like, possibly play and donate. And we ended up getting, like, around like 140 people playing in the tournament and over like $2,000 raised. And this doesn't stop with one tournament.
1: That's what I really liked about your initiative, that it's uh, more of like a, you know, until things get better, like it's not really, there's not really a definite end point to it. You have a financial goal, but it's more something that you're in, in for, for the long haul.
0: Yeah, exactly. Like, uh, I think I want to keep like, sort of doing this, like maybe organizing tournaments, And also just like my streaming profits and stuff goes to this too until like, like you said, like things get better hopefully soon.
1: How did you get so many great players to play in your tournament? I mean, was a lot of it from seeing articles on online or was a lot of it you actually like texting and contacting those people
0: and telling? Yeah. uh, Yeah. I like contacted them personally. I mean, like I know Jeffrey so well, so I have his contact information. And me and Ray are like friends, I would say. He streams too, so we sort of bonded over that. And along with like other top players like Shambhuliak, who was a world junior champion last year, I believe, for U20. Like we're also friends like friends or acquaintances, I would say. But um yeah, so I just like reached out to them personally asking them to play it was harder to say no personally.
1: Yeah, absolutely. that's that's a really that's some really good skills that you have there. And yeah. uh, the twitch communities in general, I found that it's very um, generous and um, helpful. So in a way, I'm not that surprised that you were able to bring in these these friends of yours and also especially the streamers. But you've been streaming seriously now for about two months, right? Like s- somewhere soon um, after, We were not able to travel for tournaments anymore. Can you tell us a little bit about what surprised you most about getting on Twitch and starting a regular stream?
0: I guess um, I mean like I wasn't really aware of like the Twitch chess community before, but like it's kind of crazy now how like I can recognize like most people in the community, like not just streamers, but like sort of uh, like people in the chat, you know, or like sort of my own little community of viewers. It's sort of wild think about.
1: And who are the some of your own favorite streamers?
0: Well, one of my favorites would be Ray, when he does like puzzle rush. And um I don't know. It's just like really inspiring to see him totally like crush all these puzzles, you know, and again inspired to do some puzzle rush and like chess training on my own. Um yeah, and like he's like by far one of the best at puzzle rush. So he's always really fun to watch. Along with, like, some of my friends, like, for example, Hans Neiman, who is also streaming a lot these days. And um, he does, like, matches against Hikaru pretty often, which I always entertain to watch.
1: Are you reading hard <laughs> for Hans when he
0: plays against Hikaru? I mean, no offense to Hans, but Hikaru usually, like, demolishes him. And I'm, like, a big fan of Hikaru, too. But, you know, I have to stay loyal to my friends.
1: Yeah. That, no, of course. I mean, I, I root for Hans too when he plays Hikaru, even though like I'm a huge Hikaru fan because, you know, you don't, you know, like Hans is just like always in there getting good positions, but it's tough, the best, yeah. you know? Um, and, you know,
0: like the charm of the underdog sort of.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Now with Ray Robson and Puzzle Rush, um, can you tell me like what it is about him and his brain you think that makes him like? the best puzzle rush player and have you picked up some things in his stream to like make you a little bit better at it
0: i mean i don't know if i knew how ray was so good at puzzle rush i would have learned that myself by now hopefully but um i don't know he's just like really fast with the mouse and like he has such like a great instinct and it's like before i can even like sort of comprehend what's going on in position he's already solved the puzzle it's pretty crazy and like I watch a lot of his streams, so, like, sometimes these days when I do Puzzle Rush and, like, I see a puzzle come up and I already recognize it from, like, a puzzle that Ray did on his stream, so I can solve it easily.
1: Um, How are you at Puzzles?
0: Yeah, sure, I think that I'm, like, more of a tactical player, so I'm pretty decent at Puzzles, but, like, I'm really slow online and stuff, so my Puzzle Rush score isn't, like, that great.
1: Oh, no. Now I have to guess what it is. <laughs>
0: I mean, go ahead. Um, 45?
1: Mm, 48. Oh, okay. I, I guessed pretty decently, right? Although I know yeah. 45 to 48 is kind of a big leap, isn't it?
0: Yeah, a little bit. Like when the puzzles get harder, you got to take more time to solve them. But um, I'm hoping to break 50 soon some point.
1: Yeah, you'll get there. You'll get there. Keep watching Ray's streams. So... <laughs> I've heard you say in interviews before that you study chess quite diligently. And I, I, I really enjoyed you saying that because I think that some young players hide how much they study or kind of minimize it. Um, just like the, the kid the kid in school who has straight A's and says that they don't study. <laughs> and so it doesn't make it, it doesn't, doesn't add up. Um, why are you so honest about this topic and how has COVID-19 affected your study hours?
0: Um, I mean, I think like hard work is important. Right. And um, I mean, I'm sure that, I mean, <laughs> I don't know how to say but I know, like, uh, like kids sort of, um, like, follow me and, like, look up to me sometimes. Like, at tournaments, I get people coming up to me telling me they watch my chess kid videos. It's, like, really touching to see how I can, like, sort of impact them, right? I think it's uh, important to sort of show how, like, hard work is, like, really necessary for success. Instead of trying to minimize it and say, like, oh, it's because, like, I'm really talented or something like that, which is pretty conceited.
1: Right. Yeah. And it gives people a realistic idea, too, of how how seriously they might have to take chess if they want to be, you know, the best in the country or one of the best in the world. You know, of course, that's not every child's goal, but I think it's kind of good to know what's ahead of them. Um, and and the, the other part of the question with COVID-19 and, you know, being locked in um, and not being able to play the, your normal tournament schedule this season, um, has that affected your the types of things you study and your hours of study?
0: Well, with COVID-19 really since, yeah, I can't play as much and I don't really expect summer tournaments to be happening soon. And I'm like, once school starts back up, I won't be able to play as much. So if I actually haven't studied kind of chess since it began and I'm sort of working on uh academic stuff like preparing for my SATs uh like studying some AP courses online and stuff just to get ready for a junior year
1: so you're actually not studying as much chess right now
0: yeah I'm studying a lot less because mm-hmm. don't expect to be playing anytime soon right so the potential
1: payoff of studying and then not being able to use it for a long time just doesn't seem like immediate enough
0: yeah, I think I would rather like be prepared for schoolwork and stuff. Cause uh, I mean, I take school very seriously, and um, like during the school year, I spend sort of a lot of time in school, and there's almost like no time for chess, honestly. So I, um, I sort of like, I guess my plan now is like if I can get ahead on like school related stuff now, then when there are tournaments coming up during the school year, I would have more time to prepare then which could be like better in the long run for sort of like how much information I retain and all that.
1: That's really smart. It sounds like you actually really enjoy studying in in a way. Is there any kind of like study technique that you can recommend to people who um, are like not as good at studying?
0: Um, Well, actually, I find it really hard to keep focused a lot of time when I'm studying, but um, maybe a technique. I have, like, a sort of study playlist with music that gets me, like, in the zone to study, you know? So, maybe that would help with, uh, for other people with studying and stuff.
1: What genre of music is that?
0: Uh, Like, music with no words, so probably, like, some EDM. I mean, I don't like classical, but uh, I think it would probably be good for a study playlist, but, like, some EDM, you know, with uh, no lyrics. So I don't really get
1: distracted. Yeah. And you just kind of get zoned in. That's really smart. Huh? <laughs> and uh, so you're you're studying, you're listening to your EDM. And <clears throat> what's going on with your phone? Because I, I noticed you're very popular. Um, so uh, all the notifications from all the different social media networks, are they like repressed when you're in the zone? Or um, do you just take like a few minute break here and there?
0: yeah I try to sort of like keep my phone down, and I kind of have um like brief bursts of like intense studying for like an hour or like two hours or so, and then I sort of like take a quick snack break, check on my phone and all that.
1: so you're able just to just like snap like respond to like and by the if you study for like two hours and then you go back to your phone, you already have like probably like dozens of messages right
0: mm, sure <laughs> no yeah no, I mean yeah, something close to that. I try to like keep in touch with my friends and stuff with
1: like the like, pandemic you know i miss them a lot so. yeah yeah no no i'm not criticizing it i'm saying it's just i, I mean i seem like not only are you um a, a young public figure but you also have a lot of friends and you're also active in social media so i just assume that you know uh that the size of your following in your circles you probably even just a two-hour break you probably have like dozens of updates at that point
0: yeah like a fair few <laughs>
1: oh did i did i underestimate is it more like 100 i
0: mean I don't know What to say. I mean <laughs> somewhere around a dozen, maybe, I think. Like
1: 10-ish. I also saw an interview with you somewhere, or maybe it was in a stream where you talked about how you blow off Steam by creating TikTok videos. In your yeah. TikTok career, is that uh, mostly just non-chess stuff or do you also do chess things in there? Um,
0: I mean, yeah, mostly non-chess stuff because TikTok is like a platform for um like Dancing and also sort of like funny videos. I'm not quite sure how to explain it for someone who like hasn't been on TikTok before. But um, yeah, like non-chess related stuff. Just so I can like sort of kick back, relax and like be like a normal teen, I guess.
1: Yeah, because you had mentioned, I think it might have been in the I'm Not a GM coverage where you were talking about how when you lost a game the Karen's Cup, you used uh, TikTok to kind of like release some of the negative energy.
0: Yeah, uh, that was, like, that was, like, sort of partially a joke, but also, like, partially true, I guess. I mean, um, like, one really bad tournament I had once, my uh, coach told me to sort of, like, watch some funny videos and stuff to get my mind off chess and um, just, like, I don't know, be, like, a little bit more lighthearted about things, so... Yeah, it does
1: work. Sounds like a good coaching advice. Did he? Did he? Did, did he? Or she also give you actual like specific recommendations, or just like no, just go? and
0: he was like, just like you could go to YouTube, Google funny videos, and just click
1: on whatever. Um, moving on to Twitch again, uh, because so many listeners of all ages, like TikTok, it seems that it really is um something that mostly young people and teens and college students perhaps are into um, Twitch, on the other hand, seems to be much like the broader chess community and that people all over the world and of all ages are really um, gravitating towards it and finding um, popularity. Um, What are some of your goals for your stream?
0: Well, some exciting news is actually that I fulfilled my partner requirements. So I just applied like yesterday and uh, I'm hoping to get that soon. And uh, I actually like, I don't think I stream that often compared to a lot of popular streamers. Like, Hikaru streams almost every day. I feel like so does, like, Alexandra and Andrea Botez. And, um, like, even Hans also streams every day. But uh, streaming, like, I feel like takes up a lot of time. Like, for each stream, it's, like, three hours-ish. And, um, yeah, I don't know. So, right now, I'm just sort of doing it for fun I guess like when the school starts back up again I probably won't stream as often I mean probably still maybe like once or twice a week but it's not something I'm really planning on uh sort of like making a career out of like I know Hans might be that's cool though I think it's nice that it's
1: a way to you know socialize and And uh, learn the platform and meet other people. Um, Has it changed anything about your approach to chess or your media personality? Like any kind of eureka moments you've had from your brief but successful streaming career?
0: I don't really think so. Like on a stream, I just sort of try to like be myself, chill a little bit. Um, Honestly, I think streaming might have made my online chess worse mm-hmm. where like while you're streaming you're definitely playing a lot worse than you usually are just because you have to like focus on being like entertaining at the same time and also like interacting with the chat and you can't really just like think of moves inside your head because then the chat doesn't really know like what's going on in the position so you have to like explain stuff and like I said be interactive and stuff so I think that kind of a uh, made my online chess worse
1: yeah, for sure. I mean, I can't imagine anyone playing as good streaming as they do without it. It seems hard. Uh, but you, how many points do you think it takes off your rating online, like level 200, 100?
0: Yeah, like 100 to 200, I would say.
1: Yeah, depending on how much you actually pay attention to people in chat. Like if you're just more zoned in, like the with, with good music, like I noticed like when the chess bras are playing and they're playing an intense game and there's good music they just finish the game and then they interact and it works I think if mm-hmm. the, if the music is really um hype and fits with the, the chess vibe uh, but then other yeah. people who are actually trying to converse with their listeners at the same time is like checkmating that's just a disaster
0: <laughs> yeah I mean I, I try to be more uh interactive I guess because like I personally don't really like watching um I don't like just like streamers just like just play chess, not really do anything else. Cause like, I could just like, I don't know, I don't have to watch them for that, you know? And it's like, I could just go to chess.com, check out the top game, figure stuff out myself instead. Instead of just like watching someone play.
1: Yeah, no, I agree with you. I agree with you, especially now with it being like so competitive in that there's so many different people streaming. Although there's also a lot of eyeballs because people are, are stuck at home and Um, Chess is more popular than ever. So a lot more streamers, but also a lot more audience. Uh, Just to pivot a little bit, you um, recently gave a lecture at one of our online girls clubs, which was really great about the Uncastled King and attacking. And I wondered if uh, you have any advice for, honestly, girls or boys, as I know you do a lot of work for chesskid.com, who have limited time to study, but want to continuously improve. Um, even if it's like at a slower rate than somebody who gets to study, you know, four hours a day. Um, What do you think they should do? Or is it easier to say some pitfalls of what they shouldn't do?
0: I think like if you don't have a lot of time to work on chess, then you should sort of focus on being as efficient as possible with like uh, sort of focusing on like an area where you can improve really fast on. So like example for that would be like, I think if you're under like, Honestly, under, like, 1800, you just have to do sort of, like, a lot of tactics. I would say try to, like, put aside maybe, like, one to two hours a week doing tactics or, like, try to do sort of 10 puzzles a day. Uh, You could do that on chess.com, which is really easy, or on, like, Chess Kid 2. And, um, I mean, tactics were, like, what got me to 1800, I think, because before then I didn't know anything, like, I didn't know openings. I didn't know like end games. Um it was just mostly like middle game play and tactics, which I think are uh, really important. Like someone once said tactics are like ninety-nine percent of chess. I forget who it was, but they were like someone really good, you know. So it must be true. And uh I mean I find it working in like my own play as well. And um yeah, and then like once I got to sort of like eighteen hundred range, then that's when I started focusing more time on uh, like individual periods that I needed to work on. Like, for example, my openings were really awful until uh, I sort of like fixed them. And that was like, I only fixed them around like 2300, I think. But um, like up until then, you should just do tactics, I think.
1: Now doing tactics, um, especially depending on the age of the listeners, can be so um, widely divergent. I mean... Uh, sometimes people plateau if they do tactics in a certain way for a long time, right? Like, they play Puzzle Rush and they just reach a certain score or they get a chess rating in tactics in one of the various online sites and they're just kind of stuck there. Um, Is there any kind of advice you have, like, if you've been doing tactics the same way and putting in even an hour a day, but eventually you just kind of hit a wall, is there anything that can, like, help them break down that wall?
0: I think that if you do reach a point where you sort of hit a wall, then you should look into like sort of tactical uh, chess books. For example, like there's a lot of puzzle books that I used when I was younger. And instead of like just puzzles, they also had sort of uh, like chapters beforehand so that you could read to sort of teach you about like tactical themes and like how to think when it comes to puzzles and stuff. And uh, those definitely really helped me. And I remember I like, absolutely love this one like puzzle book and i would, like read it whenever i have like any free time like before bed or like when i was in the bathroom but um yeah what was it called i think it was called like 1001 puzzles it's really interesting but i was like looking for it the other day and i couldn't find it but uh and i looked it up online too and i couldn't find it but it's like one of the one thousand one puzzle
1: books. Oh okay, I'll try to find it for the show notes. I mean I know there's like one thousand and one checkmates and one thousand and one combinations, but I think that's like way older school
0: Oh, I think it might be one thousand one combinations. that sounds pretty familiar.
1: There' was like a Fred Reinfield series, but like you regardless it's good that you say that because I've heard a lot of people saying that recently Irina Crush. I heard her talking about it in an interview, how if you hit a wall in tactics, you got to read books. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, being that you're of this younger generation who some people think don't read paper books, it's refreshing to hear that you've experienced that as well. Um, she's talking about like her students, if they hit a tactical wall, sometimes they need to like switch from online to paper books with chess tactics in them.
0: Kind of yeah, slow down sure. their brain
1: a little. Mm-hmm. Yeah, chess
0: books. Definitely. Um. I mean, I used to read them. I still read them nowadays. And I think, uh, I mean, I can't really say that, like, if it's better than, like, sort of practicing online with online resources. But, um, I mean, like, if you get stuck with one, then obviously you should try the other.
1: Yes, brilliant. And what, what chess book are you reading right now? Or have you recently read?
0: Which ones have I recently read? Um, Nowadays, I mostly focus on opening books. And, um, but before then, I did a lot of, uh, like, positional series, like, Agard series of books. Um, I forget what it was called, like, calculation, uh, positional play, strategic play, end games, thinking inside the box, I think. Yeah, like, that series is really great, and, uh, I started reading it when I was, like, 2000, and I would just, like, keep on rereading and rereading and, like, every time I would improve a little bit more.
1: Amazing. And how long? I mean, those, I feel like chess books take a long time to read. Like, how long does it take you to read like an Agard book?
0: I mean, like, Agard also has a ton of positions in his books, right? So um, like the puzzles, there's like a good like couple hundred in there. I think it takes me like a few weeks to go through a whole book. I don't have to, like focus it all in one time, but sort of spread it maybe like an hour a day on that book. No, that's that, that checks
1: out a few weeks, a few weeks of book. And then so then, you know, if you're rereading them, you're basically spending the whole year reading and rereading mm-hmm. these books. But yeah, that's that's what it takes to, you know, improve through these great chess books. As many people have commented, it's easier to buy the chess books than to actually read them. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, my dad could definitely attest to that. I mean, like when I was younger, we bought so many chess books that I just haven't touched. Still,
1: Yeah, there's something amazing about buying a book and the potential of all the brilliant things you're going to learn. But then especially for the adult listeners, the actual transfer of that to really reading it and that happening, uh, somet- sometimes the, the second part just like doesn't match up. Uh, Carissa I I know you play in a lot of tournaments normally Um, you play in a combination of prestigious women's events such as the Karen's Cup or the U.S. Women's Championship and then you also play in you know open events Um, if it were if you could create like a perfect scenario for yourself what uh, ratio would you play of all female events versus mixed events
0: honestly to me It doesn't make like a big difference if I'm playing, uh, like a female or male. I mean, I don't know if anything I get more intimidated by women playing chess than men, Uh, and I don't know why. Maybe that's just because I'm more used to playing men chess. But like at Karen's Cup, I was like, so um, I was just like lacking a lot of confidence, and I guess part of that was because like, um because they're, like, the top women in the world, right? And even if they're, like, uh, their ratings, they're, like, people that I've, like, like, if I could, like, they were, like, around 2,500 feet, right? And, like, I've played plenty of 2,500 feet days, and I managed to, like, win some good games against them. But I was just, like, really nervous against uh, uh, the field at Cairns for some reason, just because I was, like, they're, like, the top players in the world, right? They're, like, professionals and I'm just sort of like some random teenager who somehow got in to play against all these top players. It was just totally crazy. And um and I think I like usually don't really do that well in women events like every US women championship it's just like just not gone my way.
1: So you were a little starstruck, even though the players were of players' levels that you had held your own against in previous competitions. Have you ever heard of the imposter
0: syndrome? I think I've heard of it, but not quite sure what it is. So if you could explain,
1: well, it's it means like when you when, something that happens to a lot of like minorities and and women that um if they're they're invited to like a pre- prestigious event or scenario or college. Sometimes they don't fully believe that they belong, even though they often have worked even harder to get to that position because, uh, you know, it's difficult sometimes to make it in these in these spots without the, the connections that um, a lot of better represented um, populations have. Um, so, yeah, that, that's that when you when you mentioned that, I couldn't help but think of the imposter syndrome, because at the time that you were invited to the Karen's Cup, if I remember correctly, you were the top rated American female. Um, but yeah, of course. Still, there were a lot of higher-rated players in the event, but it, it felt to me um, that you clearly deserved to be there.
0: Maybe, but I mean, I was just like it was like my first time playing in like such like a worldwide prestigious event. I guess you know, like U.S. Women's is totally different from it, and uh, like it's uh, it's like a national event, right? And I I know like a lot of the players who play there, and like we're friends, and like I know like their chess style. I played against them before and stuff. But like it was just sort of a, I guess like a whole new field and like a whole different level of what I'm
1: used to. Yeah, and I remember when you beat Ju Wenjun, uh, which was such an historic game and so so cool. Um, you mentioned afterwards that it was obviously it was a great victory, but that you had had a victory over a, a high, even higher rated player recently. Um, kind of reflecting back on it, do you feel that game against Ju Wenjun is one of the most significant of your career and um, what other games would you say would be like tied for it or even potentially slightly above it?
0: Yeah, I think it's a uh, very significant to my career because it kind of showed me like, um, like she is world woman champion, right? And it kind of showed me like, if I could beat the world woman champion, maybe someday like I myself could be world women champion. So yeah, I guess it sort of opened my eyes to that. And along with some other games, um yeah like I mentioned against Darius Schwitz. um he's like a high 2600 GM and uh I believe he's like in the top 10 if not he's like in the top 10 I'm pretty sure in the U.S. uh so like regardless of gender and stuff and um that was like a really bad tournament for him not to lie but uh it was like it was like my uh my best victory, I think, like, I played really well. And, uh, like, he was, like, the highest very person I ever beat. And it actually led me to, like, my second I Am Norm, too. So that was a great game.
1: Yeah, so those two games. And, I, you know, thinking back about being intimidated at the Karens Cup, it could also be potentially, like, do you think it might be also that you there's these like really high conditions and a lot of attention and when you were playing Darius potentially it was like a little bit more of like a chill atmosphere
0: yeah like uh I mean I love the atmosphere in St. Louis don't get me wrong but uh, like yeah it's like totally different from sort of uh like open events right just because like there's like a lot of like media and a lot of publicity there's like live commentary and all that and there's like cameras everywhere And I remember, like, I was playing Drew, and it was, like, sort of near, like, the last few moves of the position. And, like, the camera just, like, really zoomed in on me. And, like, when she resigned and, like, left the board, and I was, like, setting up pieces and stuff, right? And the camera was just, like, really getting in there. And I was just trying not to laugh because, uh, I mean, I don't know how it would, like, look to the viewers. I mean, probably, like, a really great shot. But it was just, like, right in front of me, and I was just trying my best not to laugh because it was kind of funny. (laughs)
1: It, it was funny that the camera was right in your face, but you thought that they might think that you were making fun of Duvon June.
0: I mean, I don't know what they would think if I just suddenly laughed. So I just try to keep it cool, you know, but it was just like, okay, the camera was just right at me.
1: Yeah, I noticed that. I noticed that you were like trying not to smile. I didn't realize you were trying to repress laughter. That makes sense. But yeah, you notice that in most players after they win a really great game, they try not to smile because they don't want to be rude to their opponent or gloat, but like, the the photographer is going in there trying so hard to get that smile. <laughs> yeah, we, we, we love it. We see it. We see it even if you don't smile, though. That's the thing. It's like nowadays everybody's wearing their face mask, but you can still tell if people are smiling. Because you can see it in, like, their eyes and their their forehead a little bit. So, yeah. We got I you. To, I
0: didn't want to do Drew like that. I, like, sort of, I don't know, like, smiling after winning, you know, because she was just kind of upset. And, like, I know how it feels to lose to someone, like, that you expected to just totally crush. Oh, yeah. Not a great feeling, you know?
1: Not at all, no. And she's, she's just such a wonderful player, and it was so great to have her there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, having the world champion in the event really makes it, you know, a different caliber of event, I think.
0: Yeah, for sure.
1: So, besides chess and TikTok and academics, <laughs> what else do you, do you love to do? Um, I
0: also like to read a lot, Um, not like chess books, but like regular like fiction books, I guess. Um, I mean, I used, I mean like recently I started sort of getting back into reading. Like I haven't read a lot since uh, I gone into high school because academics like take up so much of my time and it's like not much time for reading for pleasure. But now with like quarantine and have a lot more free time on my hands, so, yeah, I read a lot more now, and I also started some cooking stuff. I mean, like, everyone's baking now <laughs> in quarantine, but um, yeah, it's pretty fun to bake, and it's also like pretty fun to eat good food, you know.
1: What, what was the last great thing that you baked, and the last great book that you read?
0: Last great thing that I baked, um, honestly, wasn't really that great. I just made cookies from like a like a pre-made mix
1: but <laughs> no step it up what else <laughs> I said the last great thing you made. The great
0: thing but cookies are great okay let's see <laughs> mm, really oh I tried making cake pops so those are pretty good
1: oh that sounds great uh, that's a good yeah. answer yeah I have,
0: and <laughs> and, the, and the great book Yeah. let me think the great book I started like, getting back into like my childhood so i started rereading some of those like the classic uh ya novels you know like hunger games divergent series harry potter all that stuff brought back memories
1: <laughs> yeah i mean great great books no doubt i mean actually, i actually haven't read most of them but i've seen some of the movies and like i i believe that most, most of the kind of content for children or young adults is like it really uh excellently plotted Um, Now that I have a toddler, I'm sometimes watching like Disney movies and the story structure and the writing is always excellent because in the end of the day, those movies make more money than anything. So they hire like the best writers to make sure that they can like appeal to like the adults and the kids at the same time.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. And it's just like the nostalgia factor too, makes it like 10 times better.
1: Yeah, well, those that's some great answers. And um, what, what kind of cake pops were they, by the way? (laughs)
0: um i use a vanilla cake and then i dip them in chocolate that was it
1: wow that sounds so good i gotta try to make those
0: i know right you should add some chocolate chips to them i like i didn't have any chocolate chips but like when i was eating them i was like it tastes really great with chocolate chips in like the cake
1: so one last question um you know sometimes when i have uh, guests on the show who speak like another language, I ask them to give me like a chess term in their language that I wouldn't know, like Spanish or um, uh, German or Russian. It's kind of like sometimes there's like a weird idiom that they that they have that we don't have. But for you, I was wondering if you could give our adult listeners some tips or some expression that teens use about chess that they wouldn't understand.
0: Oh, that teens use about Chess. Uh, okay. There's one, it's not exactly like about chess, but sort of related to uh, like sports and victories in general. But when someone's like, oh, dang, that was a big dub you took right there, right? Like a big dub stands for like big W, but shortened. And like W stands for win, but shortened. So yeah, just means like a big victory right there. So a
1: big dub you took right there means that it's good. Like you won yeah okay yep. got it yeah and you know i think i have seen that in some of your streams and stuff and now i know what it means and other people know as well so thank you carissa of
0: course
1: <laughs> we have carissa yip for ladies night and you can find her um all over the internet but in particular twitch.tv carissa yip um we also have some articles by her on clo you can find her on dot where else carissa maybe like chess.com i started
0: sort of writing a blog too And you can also find me on uh, carissayip.com, which is my own personal website. And um, we're still working on some features and stuff because it's pretty new. But yeah, go check it out.
1: On your website, I, that's where we can also find out more about your uh, Chess for COVID-19 relief and future campaigns. And that's some great stuff that you're doing. You're also on Twitter at Carissa Chess. So there's lots of great stuff that you're providing to the community right now, Carissa. So um, definitely want to thank you for taking the time to do Ladies Night, as well as our recent Girls Club session and all the great work you're doing uh, on Twitch to to raise money and provide content and entertainment for people during this, this difficult time.
0: Thank you. If you like
1: what we're doing at US Chess to encourage women and girls to explore STEM fields, accentuate competence, and approach an even ratio with a focus on intersectionality, your donation to our US Chess Women programs is always appreciated and tax deductible. The US Chess suite of podcasts, including Ladies Night, are produced and edited by Jason Andre at Seven Season Films, Photography, and Media please visit 7seasonfilms.com to find out how to start your own podcast. Don't forget to listen and subscribe to all U.S. Chess Podcasts from One Move at a Time Cover Stories and Chess Underground. Till next time, may every night be Ladies Night.
0: Now according to Sockfish, I got it all wrong Have to slide. Dear Capablanco, you tell me we learn more from our defeats
1: Who needs victory?